0: You have direct ownership of your assets and you have control over those assets. They're not sitting in an intermediary whose accounting systems may not be accurate, whether for nefarious or innocent reasons, they're not accurate. And so if you have direct ownership, you can't have those kind of shenanigans.
1: You'll never. Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101, the Average Consumer's Guide to Cryptocurrency. This is Matthew Aaron. And there's a lot of people working in the blockchain space. Some people make dApps and code and apps and companies go ICO, STO, or adapt their current business to use blockchain technology. Some people make YouTube videos and some people make podcasts. But this next guest, she's working with legislation. Miss Caitlin Long is a longtime advocate for blockchain technology and for states to incorporate laws that protect small businesses or startup businesses using cryptocurrency and blockchain and she has done so many times over with pioneering legislation in her state the great state of wyoming and today we're going to hear a 101 on caitlin long her past her work that she's done with the wyoming legislature and how she feels that blockchain should be incorporated not only into law but into the economies of the states in the future but before we go into that please wherever you're listening to this podcast please make sure you're subscribed leave us a rating and a comment also don't forget to follow our social medias our twitter at crypto underscore underscore 101 join our facebook community there's four thousand people there talking about crypto daily Also, think about supporting the show, become a patron, and support the 101s on the philosophies, the blockchains, the people, and the different aspects of technology driving the future. And you can find our Patreon link on our website, Crypto101Podcast.com. And don't forget, this is not financial advice, trading advice, legal advice, or personal advice. And now, without further ado, Caitlin Long. We'll see you after the show. Caitlin Long, co-founder of the Wyoming Blockchain Coalition. Welcome to Crypto 101.
0: Hey, thanks, Matt. It's great to be with you.
1: First, I want to say thank you for jumping on. I know you have a super slammed schedule. You're super busy all the time. And you made an hour for us here. I really appreciate that.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. I'm glad we were able to to get a time. I was just listening to the Wyoming legislature on a couple of our other bills. So it was perfect timing.
1: I can't wait to go into the Wyoming legislature and the bills that have been passed and championed by you and uh, the Blockchain Coalition. But I have a story to tell you is we actually met briefly at F Denver. Uh, I walked up to you I, after getting a little nerve. I wanted to introduce myself and I reached out to shake my hand and you threw up your elbow and, and you gave me an elbow bump. If you remember.
0: Yes, I do. Yeah. Cause I had a cold and I didn't want to give that to anyone.
1: Well, I, I appreciate that. So you give me an elbow bump and I went back to my seat and I was, and I was like, oh, that's, that was really endearing that you, were, you didn't want to give me a cold and I, and I give me the elbow bump. But why I went back to my seat, I I don't know if you want me to tell this story, but I thought this was an awesome thing to watch, is I I watch you and I follow your Twitter quite a bit. And I really love the work that you do, championing bills in the Wyoming legislature. And I was watching you off stage left when Andreas Antonopoulos was about to come speak at Ethereum Denver. And you're standing there by yourself. And it seems like you were kind of contemplating what to do for a while there by yourself. And then all of a sudden you turned around and ran into the green room, got Andreas Antonopoulos Got a selfie with him. Yeah. And you were so happy when you came out of the green room. And I thought that was super endearing because I was watching you as somebody that I admire and you were next to somebody that you admired.
0: Oh, yeah. Thank you. That's so kind of you. Yeah. Look, a lot of us are understanding, especially in the early days of Bitcoin, to Andreas. He's such a gifted teacher. And I'm so grateful that the Patreon system exists so that he can continue to do this work and educate people. He has such a incredible skill at boiling down very technical concepts into understandable chunks that mere mortals who are willing to invest the time like me could understand. And boy, he's a real treasure to this industry. And I had never met him before. So we we did actually talk a little bit earlier in the day, but I didn't have the guts to ask him, starstruck as I was, for a photograph. And uh, then I I caught that selfie. That's funny that you saw that. I was so thrilled to <laughs> finally meet him in person.
1: It was an amazing moment, and I'm happy. <laughs> I was I was watching over there behind, waiting for Andreas to come on, and he gave an excellent speech.
0: Oh yeah, well, as always.
1: Did you stick around for the whole speech and the uh, Q and
0: I missed the Q and A. He was winding down when I left to go have dinner with my family, and uh, boy, that was quite a speech. You know, he was right about uh, you know unstoppable code and. That the Ethereum community right now, everybody's getting along. There hasn't been a a lot of vitriol like there has been in the Bitcoin community. And uh, he's saying, look, I mean, we're going to start running into some regulations and challenges that are going to divide this community. And unfortunately, I think he's right. But right now, let's Mm -hmm. savor the moment where everybody's working on their own thing and seemingly getting along and moving in, in the same direction.
1: I think you're 100% right. And I think he's 100% right that, you know, there will be uh, a little bit of tension in the Ethereum community sooner or later. But right now, the uh, the Ethereum hackathon was a very uh, amazing experience and a pleasure to see so many people get together building on Ethereum and uh, collaborating together.
0: Oh, yes. Yes. and And I was especially excited. I actually asked one of the senators in Wyoming for a favor to accelerate the Corporate stock token bill because I wanted to announce at ETH Denver that Wyoming had passed that bill since it greenlights the ERC 884 standard. Uh, it wasn't clear that that any state actually that you know an ERC 884 token was actually a legally issued security in any state because no state had recognized that a blockchain can actually take the place of a stock certificate. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a certificated share of stock. And sure enough, Wyoming got it done. And so it it was especially thrilling for me to be up there with two of the legislators who helped get it done, including the main sponsor of the bill, Jared Olson, who did a yeoman's job running that bill through. It's, It's sort of an esoteric thing, but it's really important to the development of security tokens on Ethereum.
1: Congratulations on that. And I was actually in the audience for your uh, panel on that with the other legislators.
0: Yeah, that's great. And you you got to see Tyler Lindholm in his cowboy boots there. He put his feet up on the table. And, oh, they yeah. He followed
1: with, the, with yeah. the feet on the table. I was like, I was like, I can't believe you guys are doing it. And then when I saw you do it, I was like, I guess it's OK now.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun. I, there was, someone snapped a picture of me and I've got a mile wide smile on my face because it was fun to just kick back and enjoy it and, and keep in mind we had all just been burning the midnight oil up in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And I drove down on, on Friday night, I caught a ride down with uh, with one of the legislative attorneys who was also in the audience. And this was a chance for all of us to just take a, a breather. And and think back to what we got done because our big push was last week, but we're not totally done yet. There's still bills going through the legislation the legislature today uh, and will be for the next few days.
1: Awesome. Before, before we get into the bills that you guys are pioneering over in Wyoming, I just want to get to know you a little bit. Uh, you have an amazing background. You went to the Kennedy School of Governance, Harvard Law, 22 years in corporate finance. But before we get into all of that, I want to know a little bit about your upbringing, about who who you are, how how did you, what is it like to grow up in Wyoming?
0: Oh gosh, uh, it's a great place to grow up. It's, uh, I grew up in a college town. My dad was the department head of electrical engineering and I did, I'm a failed engineer. I started out in engineering and uh, the math got me, but that's why I can so appreciate what is happening in this technology. And unfortunately, both of my parents have passed away, but they were both very gifted teachers. My mom was a fifth grade teacher and my dad, of course, a college professor. Uh, he really would have enjoyed seeing distributed systems. He was working on neural networks in the 80s for, and he was consulting for IBM. So boy, he really would have appreciated what's happened in the distributed systems field. And uh, boy, he—he, he, I wish he were around to see all this happening because uh, it's his legacy at the University of Wyoming that actually kind of got the whole thing started. I was funding um, endowment for female engineers in my dad's honor and to help solve the problem that when I was at Symbiont, one of the startups, there just aren't a lot of female engineers. Um, It's not easy to find female engineers. And I thought I'll just quietly try to solve the problem by donating Bitcoin to Fund an endowment in my dad's honor, and boom, <laughs> here we are 14 months later, 15 months later, or so, um, with all of this effort in Wyoming. And it is thanks t- in part to the Dean of the College of Engineering and Applied Sciences at the University of Wyoming, who is obviously a different generation than my father, but it's the same same school that my dad worked so hard to build. So really proud of that.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. So your first path was electrical engineering, the math got you, then that took you to governance and Harvard Law. Can you tell us about that transition from Wyoming to Harvard? And then what took you to corporate finance?
0: Well, growing up as a kid in Wyoming, went to undergraduate at the University of Wyoming and then realized I was interested in law and Uh, That happened in college. I switched over from engineering to political economy and did a lot of study of economics as well. And then did the uh, joint degree program at Harvard and (laughs) unfortunately (laughs) realized I really wasn't interested in law. I was actually better at numbers than words. So ended up going to Wall Street. And and it's more than that. I, I walked out of graduate school with more debt than my parents' house was worth. And they had co-signed on my student loans and I felt a very strong obligation to get those loans paid off as fast as possible. So I sold myself to the highest bidder thinking I would stay there for a few years and just try to pay down my loans. And I ended up staying for 22 years and I'm really proud of, of what I accomplished there. But I also, during the financial crisis, really started questioning my chosen profession. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, it's a, it's a hard thing when you wake up and realize, gosh, what you've been doing for the last 16 years at the time had a lot of problems associated with it. And I gradually started to help educate people about what those problems were, as well as I focus exclusively at that point on fee-based business so that I wasn't using any of the balance sheet of the, the big banks, which is where, so I could in my own mind be legitimate in continuing to work on Wall Street, but doing so on a fee basis as opposed to, you know, using a taxpayer subsidized balance sheet.
1: What was it about your chosen profession? You said you sold yourself to the highest bidder. You, were, you said you're only going to stay for a couple of years, pay off those student loans, and then you created a cre- career. 22 years in corporate finance is not just a part-time job it's a, it's a full career already what did you see during the financial crisis that made you go maybe this is Well not it the right was
0: the now, financial right? crisis and then it was a few years later after I discovered bitcoin I ran into some shenanigans on Wall Street back on the financial crisis it was Tim Geithner giving who was treasury secretary at the time giving an interview saying that uh, he acknowledged that that interest rates had been too low and that had caused the financial crisis or, ha- or contributed to the, the financial crisis through the mortgage markets, creating the housing bubble. Not long after that, I heard him give an interview where he argued that interest rates should be lowered still. And so that contradiction got me digging and um, I was very curious about alternative schools of economic thought. Something just didn't sit right. That was such an obvious contradiction and yet nobody else was questioning it. Why were interest rates too low before the financial crisis and they should be lowered even still? That just didn't make sense. And and so that got me down the Austrian economics path and that eventually got me to Bitcoin. And then round about 2012, 2013 is when I dug into the settlement system on Wall Street and started to realize, A, that it's an absolute god-awful mess and it makes a lot of mistakes. And B, I saw unauthorized securities lending happening in a pension fund that would not have been discoverable had it not been for the fact that the pension transactions I was working on were going to create a final settlement, a a real true-up, a real reckoning to be sure that the custodian actually had the assets. And guess what? In one case, they didn't. You know, that got swept under the rug. It got fixed really fast when I advised the the company to call back and demand to speak to the compliance officer and tell them if they didn't get their securities that day, that they were going to report it to the SEC. Well, magically, The securities came in that day, I'm sure the trading desk at the custodian had to take a loss to go out and buy them in. But the fact that that happened and it wasn't discoverable by looking at the brokerage statements was so unsettling, it was just very unfair. To mom and pop and to the pensioners who were who are being stolen from, Mm -hmm. you know, this kind of stuff happens, unfortunately, pretty regularly on Wall Street. There's a lot about it that's not fair. And that is partly what attracted me so much to blockchain, Mm -hmm. because blockchain can actually solve a lot of those problems.
1: Can you just do a 101 on the interest rate? You said that he came out and said the interest rate caused some of this by by being too low and then turned around and wanted to lower it even more. Can you just tell us the economics behind that?
0: Well, this is, he was referring to the Federal Reserve, which controls the most important price in the economy, which is the price of borrowing money. And it specifically controls the short-term interest rate, but also influences the long-term interest rate. And what had happened was the Fed had fomented a housing bubble after 9-11, reinflating the economy by dropping interest rates below their market clearing rate. What I mean by market clearing rate is the rate at which voluntarily savers and borrowers will uh, lend and, and borrow money respectively. And we have no clue where that market would be if we didn't have a Federal Reserve pushing the bond market around but there are no economies that don't have central banks that set interest rates everybody's followed unfortunately this model of having central banks set the one price that mm-hmm, should mm-hmm. be left alone in in all economies which is the price of borrowing money and in fact actually it's the most manipulated price mm-hmm. in every economy so what that does is it creates the Austrians would use the phrase malinvestment i would i would use an easier to understand phrase which is it just allows businesses to make the wrong calculations all at the wrong time. And this is a lot of really smart people who are all making the wrong calculation in the same direction at the same time. Anytime that happens, you know something underlying the markets is wrong. And what I would propose is that it's the fact that interest rates are not set by the voluntary interaction of borrowers and lenders.
1: Interesting. You have a talk that you give or you have given uh, a couple of times. I saw it on YouTube. It, the title of it is, Will Blockchain Free Us From Wall Street? Can you tell us what that means?
0: Yes. Uh, well, as we are using blockchain as a settlement system, we're going to clean up a lot of these shenanigans like that unauthorized securities lending that could not have been discovered through brokerage statements we're going to know that the system is solvent, we're going to actually have direct ownership of our assets again. That's how when the United States became such a powerhouse economy, that's how we did it. We actually had direct ownership of assets. And back then it was all in paper form and we've moved away from that. But when we moved away from it, we didn't ensure that the IT systems stayed in sync. So what we have now is layers and layers of intermediaries who all settle transactions in sequence as opposed to simultaneously. And so at any given moment in time, every one of the ledgers on Wall Street is wrong. And, and in a continuous market, you don't usually see problems bubble up. But when you actually have a reckoning event uh, where you have to get a, a, a final true up, That's when you start to realize how off the accounting systems of Wall Street are. Patrick Byrne refers to it as the bezel of Wall Street. Uh, And in the case of Dole Food, which was a 2017 Delaware court case, there were 36.7 million shares of Dole Food legally issued and outstanding. And there were people showing 49.2 million shares in people's brokerage accounts, all of whom had valid brokerage statements to claim ownership of forty nine point two million shares, but there were really only thirty six point seven million shares outstanding, so that 's just one of many examples, admittedly an extreme one. But you know all those people who bought those dole those invalid dole shares, where did that money go? Think about that, Yeah. and it picked the pocket of of mom and pop, it picked the pocket of pensioners. folks were buying shares that didn 't actually exist, and so I care about and all of your listeners and you, of course, should care about making sure that the wealth that you own is real and taking some responsibility around it and not trusting these institutions that have failed us and will fail us again.
1: That is so interesting coming from somebody that spent 22 years in corporate finance to say that the institutions are failing us and we don't want to see this happen again. You pointed out a lot of major problems with the financial institutions, with the Dole food and their uh, stock issuance is a huge example. You said, can you just go through how could blockchain technology help us solve some of these issues that you just highlighted for us?
0: We have direct ownership of your assets and you have control over those assets. They're not sitting in an intermediary whose accounting systems may not be accurate, whether for nefarious or innocent reasons, they're not accurate. And so if you have direct ownership, you can't have those kind of shenanigans. You'll never have unauthorized lending of a security that's issued on a blockchain because everybody would be able to see that that security was lent out. And uh, the owner would, would be able to know where the security is at all times. They would have to agree to have the security lent out. I'm not against debt, by the way. Some folks, in the, especially in the Austrian school, be, are very anti-debt. I'm not against debt at all. What I'm against is using the same asset as collateral for two different loans and all other similar forms of fractional reserve banking because they have an impact on the price of the underlying asset. Again, think back to the Dole food shares where you had 49.2 million people who had bought Dole food shares and validly thought they owned them, but there were only 36.7 million shares outstanding. What did that do to the price of Dole food? It actually suppressed the price of it because there was an artificial supply that was sold into the market. So there was an artificial short position that was created in Dole food shares equal to one third of the float of the shares. That suppressed the price of the shares and uh ultimately that's uh that's where the where the money went it um it 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 went to the the folks who benefited from the price of the of dole food shares going down that's the the kind of manipulation that would not be possible with assets being directly issued owned and traded and settled on blockchains, whether they be Bitcoin or ethereum or any other digital asset or very importantly. Here's where I think the real value is coming. It's in security tokens. It's in the issuance of securities on a blockchain and uh, in such a way that they cannot be manipulated based on these traditional forms of market manipulation, which are incidentally legal. There's a reason why no one went to jail in the financial crisis. There's a reason why John Corzine, who I think most of us, he's a former governor of New Jersey, who was the CEO of MF Global, a lot of people thought John Corzine should have been prosecuted for dipping into customers' accounts to try to save MF Global. And in fact, actually, there's a reason he wasn't mm. prosecuted because, unfortunately, what he did was not illegal. And therefore, the, the prosecutors weren't going to be able <laughs> oh, to make anything stick. But the <laughs> fact that you're laughing, it, it's the it's the shock of it that most people, if if you look at that story, would think, why— is John Corazine not in jail? And yet, in fact, there's a reason why, a very good reason why he's not, because what he did was not illegal. The great thing about Wyoming, one of many great things about Wyoming, is we care about direct property rights in Wyoming and rehypothecation, which is basically taking the same collateral and pledging it for two different loans. Rehypothecation is a felony if it's done with with something more than $1,000 of value. So go Wyoming. That's the way it should be.
1: <laughs> you know, actually, I think it was Pomp that tweeted something about last week. And I really liked this tweet. It's probably one of my favorite tweets of all time. And it was about the bank's money laundering. And the, it was, he was retweeting a headline that said something like $650 million money laundering scandal. And he said, like, wording matters. This is a crime, not a scandal. Pay attention to the wording. Yeah, and I really like that because yeah. because I think that we allow these things to gloss over us as a scandal because it really diminishes the impact or the importance of what the what is actually being done behind the scenes. That's a crime. What you just said about the New Jersey New Jersey um, governor, which you said is legal, that sounds like a, a pretty damn, a damn big crime to me. But absolutely, I'm, uh, who knows? It's all the law, so I guess it is legal. But I think this is a great segue into your work in Wyoming, especially when it comes to the HB 0185 bill that enables securities to be issued and tokenized in Wyoming. Can you tell us about that?
0: Yeah, that's one of the eight bills that's working their way through, most of them now already through the Wyoming legislature. And it gets at solving the problems we're just talking about, which is that you can directly own your own assets if they're issued on a blockchain. You don't have to own them through an intermediary. So the way commercial law works for securities in the United States is they can either be certificated securities, uncertificated securities, or indirectly owned securities. And 99.9% of publicly traded securities are indirectly owned. If you ever buy a private security, you're, you're, you're likely to get a piece of paper. That's what would be called a certificated security. But under now under Wyoming law, both certificated and uncertificated Securities can be issued on a blockchain. So you don't need to do it in a piece of paper. What that means is you can, again, directly own your securities. You don't have to be stuffed into this indirect ownership regime that publicly traded securities are stuffed into. You can own them directly and own them in electronic form on a blockchain as opposed to in a piece of paper. So that's that's what Wyoming did. And, and you can see why I get so excited about that, because it solves the problems that just hit me in the gut as being so unfair about the mainstream stock market. Mm-hmm.
1: And you also had a bill last week again uh, that recognizes digital assets as property bill 0125, if that's correct. Can you tell me a little about that one?
0: Yeah, that's a great one. That's the one if your listeners want to get involved. And uh, frankly, everybody should, right?
1: for the ones who get it done.
0: Pass Wyoming's SF-125 in their state, because what it does is recognize direct property rights in digital assets. And there's a reason why that's important. It, it, there's a debate, a very legitimate and respectful debate as to whether we should recognize digital assets as property because a lot of folks rightfully conclude that they're speech. They are speech. They are also property in my view. Mm. And the, the reality is that people are lending against them already and people are um, okay. posting them as collateral in derivatives contracts. So they're using them as property. Um, I, I, I respect that debate, but it, I think the ship already sailed that they're using them as property. What was happening in the background was that there was a push among the securities industry and lawyers representing them To force digital assets to be owned in that indirect ownership model that I just described for our securities, where 99.9% of securities are owned indirectly through an intermediary, they wanted to have property rights recognized in digital assets only if they were owned indirectly through an intermediary. And your listeners hopefully should be all their heads exploding right now, because we all know that digital assets are designed to be owned directly, not indirectly through an intermediary. Right, And and in fact, actually, there was a big push to do the latter. And Wyoming came in for the save because I saw all this happening last fall. And we rejected that pretty pretty early on uh, that that if we're going to have property rights in digital assets, it we should recognize direct property rights. If people want to put their assets at a custodian or an exchange and, ha- and own them indirectly, Godspeed, you can do that too. But we're not going to force you to do that under the law. We're going to recognize direct property rights in digital assets too. And that's what Wyoming did. And in fact, actually for virtual currencies like Bitcoin and Ether, those are actually given the same negotiability rules under Wyoming law as if they're money. And nothing else had ever been given those same negotiability rules. That, this is an esoteric thing. It's, there were some people who, who incorrectly reported that Wyoming is recognizing Bitcoin and Ether as money. That's not true. Only Congress in the United States can, can define what legal tender is. Mm-hmm. What we did do, though, is recognize the negotiability rules that is legal speak for how easy is it for us to transfer those assets and what if somebody has an adverse claim like a lien against those assets we've basically made virtual currencies the same as money from the perspective of the transferability which specifically means that if you don't have notice of an adverse lien so you're not colluding with someone you actually take that asset free and clear of any adverse lien against it. Uh, so th- there's a lot of detail behind this, and it's, it's the kind of stuff that doesn't bode well in 140-character tweets because uh, it's, it's <laughs> complex law. Um, but uh, right. we had a lot of people helping us, and I'm very happy with where we ended up. And I'm very much hoping that the effort from the securities industry to pigeonhole all of these digital assets into the indirect ownership model fails. And there are three states that have uh, that are considering it right now, the indirect ownership model. Surprisingly, Nevada is one of them because they've been so forward thinking. Right. And Oklahoma and Hawaii are the other two. And if you live in one of those three okay. states, uh, please write your, your local representatives and senators at the state level and encourage them to defeat. It's called the Uniform Law Commission Supplemental Act. That's the, it's the supplemental act. That's the critical one. And I think you can find on Twitter uh, the bill numbers if, if you're interested as well.
1: You have one more bill that you've championed the past week, and that's HB 74. I would like to know a little bit about that bill. But while you're talking about that bill, uh, can you please do me a favor and connect all three of these bills and legislation to the average consumer? I We understand what they do, but how can the average person, the mom and the pop, benefit from these bills in blockchain technology now in the state of Wyoming?
0: Well, gosh, for Wyoming, it's going to be people coming in. There's going to be a financial services industry that's going to set up in Wyoming. And those are high paying jobs, stable jobs. Um, but it's going to be in this new parallel financial system, the digital asset financial system. So uh, we've given that industry, the, the, the blockchain industry, the crypto industry, whatever you want to call it, we've given them a home in Wyoming by by exempting digital assets from taxes, by clarifying that utility tokens, if they have a consumptive purpose and meet other requirements, are exempt from state securities laws. Multiple states are following Wyoming in doing that. Plus, we set up the bill to recognize outright ownership, direct ownership, and define the property rights and negotiability of digital assets. So we've basically given a very solid legal foundation for the development of this industry in the state of Wyoming. And for the blockchain industry, one of three things I think is gonna happen. Most commercial arrangements will end up being subject to Wyoming law. And if companies wanna go a step further, I think more companies will end up forming in Wyoming, whether they're corporations or limited liability companies. We've seen a bump recently in new business formations in Wyoming, and I suspect it's because of all the blockchain attention. And then third, you can actually come to Wyoming. IOHK is a good example of a company that's come to Wyoming. Same thing with Active Ether. Uh, just moved from New York City to Jackson Hole. And there will be many others, I think.
1: Oh, IOHK is in Wyoming?
0: IOHK moved to Wyoming. In fact, actually, somebody uh, teased Charles Hoskinson that it shouldn't be IOHK anymore. It should be I-O-Y-O. <laughs> I thought that yeah. was clever. <laughs> yeah, I, I, can't, I can't remember who said that, um, but uh, I, should, I wish I could give that person credit because it's not my idea, but it's uh, very clever. He said uh, they've done so much branding around IOHK that uh, they're not going to change the company name, but they did move from Hong Kong to Wyoming. And in fact, actually, um, one of his co-founders came and spoke at uh, one of our events in Cheyenne about a month ago.
1: How many employees does uh, IOK have? And they brought to Wyoming. They
0: have not opened their Wyoming office yet, but they are planning on it. In fact, that's why he was there was uh, seeking okay. out real estate. They're, you know, like like all the blockchain companies. They're really pretty much virtual companies, right? They all have headquarters somewhere, but uh, this is such a global. Industry, everybody, an individual company is located somewhere else. Seemingly, uh, so I experienced that with Symbi. And I can't remember how many different countries the employees were located in. It was a, a pretty big number. And uh, you know, most normal businesses that are not in the blockchain industry tend to be more localized and bigger home offices. But my experience in working with blockchain companies is so many of them because the engineering skills are so specific, are very global and people are located all over everywhere. So IOHK did say they are opening an office in Cheyenne and uh, they they will be joined by others soon.
1: Is Governor Mark Gordon, following the Congress when it comes to signing these bills, or is he an advocate for blockchain technology or basically, or maybe he's more progressive in uh, Wyoming economics?
0: Well, he wants technology companies to come to Wyoming and blockchain is absolutely part of it. And he's been a big supporter. I'm a big fan of his. He gave us a shout out in his inauguration speech about all the blockchain activity in Wyoming. So, by the time this oh, nice. yeah by the time this this podcast is up I hope that he will have signed the major bills. He's got three more I think. Well, he signed he signed the Fintech Fintech sandbox already. I think he has to sign three more tomorrow and what they're doing is putting together a signing ceremony so I'm going to wait till it's all said and done because we still have two. We have six bills that have made it through the legislature to Governor Gordon's desk. He signed one of those already, but we still have two that are winding their way through the legislature. So it's not all happening in one single day here. But I think by the by the middle of next week, I'd, I'd be surprised if there's anything remaining unsigned. And all indications are that he's going to sign all of the bills that that reach his desk.
1: Awesome. What two bills are are winding its way through the legislature right now?
0: One is a bill that is special electric utility rates for the electric utilities to be able to negotiate power uh, agreements with crypto miners in the state of Wyoming and not have to go through the traditional public utility commission rate making process. Um, And then all of the profits and very importantly, Mm. all of the losses accrue to the shareholders. So that's one. And then another one is a very important one that actually lifts the utility token exemption, which was done as an exemption to the security statute and lifted all that language out and put it in its own chapter of Wyoming law called digital assets.
1: Didn't Montana just do something with that?
0: Montana just yesterday filed uh, one of the representatives filed a, a utility token bill in Montana as well. I believe now we're up to 7 states that have either filed or already passed language very similar to the to the Wyoming bill. So we've got a little movement going here. And again, these movements come from the ground up and that's how Uh crowdfunding happened. There's so many examples. Some would point to the marijuana legalization as something that started in the States and eventually forced or will force the Fed's hand. It certainly happened with hemp. And I think that the same is true with utility tokens. It's sort of forcing Congress's hand. Um, There is an act in front of Congress called the Token Taxonomy Act Uh, that that essentially uses the Wyoming language. You know, Godspeed. I'm not optimistic that it's going to happen, be enacted by Congress anytime soon. Uh, It's just not a priority, it seems, uh, for Congress. But hats off to the folks in Congress who are trying to make this happen because I don't agree with the SEC that everything is a security. I think most of us, if we actually sat down and looked at it, would say, no, not everything is a security. But this time last year, the SEC was maintaining that essentially everything is a security because it's an investment contract. And Hmm. I I think that's not the case. Uh, And the Wyoming law that now these other states are copying does support that argument.
1: Wyoming is definitely a pioneer leading the pack of seven states in legislation. But what would you say to the citizens of 43 other states that might want to do the same as Wyoming and the other six states, what would you say to the citizens and how could they get involved and how would they find inspiration?
0: Well, uh, get going. Uh, You know, it is a participatory process. And I, in my experience, the legislators love hearing from young people and they're hearing it from their own sons and daughters. They do tend to be a different generation than the folks that are interested in blockchain. It does tend to be their sons and daughters. But you know what? Their sons and daughters really helped in Wyoming Mm. because um, last year when the whole thing got started, I think it was the nephew of the president of the Senate and the son of the Speaker of the House who both Mm -hmm. had uh, gotten caught up in Coinbase having to leave Wyoming in 2015 because of the money transmitter issue. Mm -hmm. And um, they were both pushing their uncle and father respectively oh, to get cool. it fixed. <laughs> and you know what? It worked. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Four it, years don't later. don't be in, nice. Yeah, don't be intimidated by the process. Um, it does they, they the local representatives and senators do listen to constituents. It is worth looking it up and shooting them a quick email. Most of them do read their email. So it only takes, you know, 5-10 minutes of your time to encourage them to pass the good legislation. Uh, And again, I I think the utility token exemption, like you said, it's out there on Twitter today about Montana. Let's get that um, in other states, as well as Wyoming's SF-125 instead of that supplemental act of the Uniform Law Commission, because Wyoming is much more favorable to property rights in allowing people to have direct ownership from a legal perspective. Of course, we all know from a technology perspective, direct ownership is easy. You just keep your own private keys. But from a legal perspective, we also want those rights recognized as a direct property owner. And that's what SF-125 does.
1: I have a question about a company that you mentioned back in 2018. I think you mentioned it. it was probably around eight to 10 months ago. It was a Wyoming company called Beef Chain. How are they doing
0: BeefChain is a Wyoming company. It's a track and trace company that was started by a pal of mine, Rob Jennings, actually one of the co-founders of the Wyoming Blockchain Coalition. And he and actually Tyler Lindholm, one of the representatives and Senator Ogden Driscoll, one of the senators who's big into blockchain. Those two guys have been just uh, tremendous at getting all the legislation through. And building the coalition in both the House of Representatives as, and the Senate to get it done. They're all involved in beef chain. And what it's doing is helping Wyoming ranchers to claim a premium price for their beef by being able to track the provenance all the way back to the fact that these were grass-fed cows who've never had a roof over their head, as Senator Driscoll likes to say. And, um, and, and unfortunately, when they get sent to the processing facility... They get mixed in with cows that have been fed in, you know, the in CAFOs, the confined animal feeding operations, as well oh, wow. as um, from other states, and so they can't command a premium. And I, so, some would say you don't need a blockchain. I would agree with that; you don't need a blockchain. But Beef Chain has definitely helped the Wyoming ranchers be able to command a premium for their beef. And whether it's it's marketing or or technology, it's working, and it's a wonderful thing.
1: Awesome. I just want to say that Crypto 101 has always pushed or supported or advocated for the listener, the average consumer, to get involved. And since Crypto 101 has started, we've seen people listening to the show, start their own shows, writing blogs, go, go out into work for companies, start to learn to code and then get hired as designers awesome. or devs. Uh, we've seen a lot of people... Just get involved. And I really like this conversation because it is another path that honestly I didn't think about when asking people to get involved in this movement. And that is writing your congressman, writing the, the senators and the legislature of your state, of your of your county, of your city to get them in the know about blockchain technology and what it can do for the for the economy, for the future and how it can protect us from from banks and the financial crisis of 2018. I never thought about that, and I'm very happy that you brought this to everybody's attention, that this is another path to get involved in the future. Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, oh, you're welcome. And and thank you to everybody who actually goes out and does it, because this whole thing started with a small number of people in Wyoming who happened to know some legislators. Tyler Lindholm was the first legislator who got involved, and I had no idea. He had tried to fix Wyoming's Money Transmitter Act previously, and and hadn't succeeded, but now he has. And, And we've taken it to the nth degree. I hope by the time it's all said and done this year that we will have now passed 13 pieces of legislation. It's going to be hard for other states to catch up to Wyoming because there's a first mover advantage and most other states probably wouldn't pass all 13 bills, but I would highlight those those two, the utility token exemption and Wyoming's SF-125 to define direct property rights in digital assets instead of the bad one, that supplemental act. That Those two things, if, if we can get those enacted in other states, boy, is that going to help the development of the crypto industry broadly.
1: Crypto 101 is positioned itself to be the first stop in somebody's journey into blockchain and cryptocurrency. They might Google Crypto 101, Cryptology 101, Cryptocurrency 101, and we'll be right there. This could very well be the first yeah. podcast somebody getting into space just now is listening to. What would Caitlin Long tell them? on their? Uh, what would Caitlin Long tell them about their cryptocurrency journey?
0: Uh, well, two things. One is that it, it, you get what you invest in it there's so much knowledge out there, but you've got to invest time. And all of us did. Uh, and we are still learning. I've I'll, This is a journey, not a destination. I'll never reach that destination of full understanding. I'm not mm-hmm. sure any anybody really will, even not sure. Well, I don't know, maybe Satoshi Andreas. Andreas is be was. there. <laughs> yeah, but you know, he's also a curious person. And he's. I definitely think Andreas is continuing to educate himself. There's just so much every day. There are new protocols out there. there. There's just so much. There's always something else you can do, something, another podcast you can listen to. So so definitely invest in yourself. There's and, and you don't have to spend money to do it. You can do it for free. There's so much out there. But the second thing is, this is the reason that I became optimistic again after the financial crisis. I was pretty dour and down on how unstable the financial system was after the financial crisis and seeing these shenanigans and realizing you know, this is where my savings are. And I don't feel comfortable about that because I know it's not stable. And then along comes Bitcoin and this incredible industry that's flourishing. And yes, it's it's had its scams. Yes, it's had its bubbles and and bubbles bursting. But it's the reason to be optimistic because you can control your own destiny. And you know that if you own assets that are issued on a blockchain and you can see them there digitally, you own those assets and nobody else is is trying to make money off your assets. That's a wonderful thing. And it, it means that the stability of these systems, again, I know in 2019, after we've just, you know, we're in a deep crypto winter, we've just had a big correction. It may sound strange to your listeners to hear that the stability of these crypto systems is much greater than the stability of the mainstream financial system. But that's how I that's how I see it. Um, I'm not making an investment recommendation. You definitely can lose money in all of it. But I think the fact that that I say you can lose money in crypto seems obvious. The fact that you can lose money in traditional financial assets is probably what's a bigger surprise to many of your listeners because the the, the system is unstable. And I think you, you just should go eyes wide open and make a judgment call about. What your risk tolerance is and educate yourself about those risks i think you know as you deep as you dig deeply you'll realize that the the fundamental fairness and stability of crypto systems in general is higher than the fundamental fairness and stability of traditional financial markets and at some point that's going to become obvious to everyone
1: I think it was on your blog or on your website that I saw uh, an article that said 71% of millennials trust blockchain, or Bitcoin more than banks. Yep. And that's that's pretty cool.
0: <laughs> yep. Well, and also they said that they wanted to buy the crypto from traditional financial institutions. Yes. So so we've won half the battle <laughs> that, uh, that that crypto is, is more trustworthy <laughs> among millennials than traditional financial institutions. But then I, I think that gets to the UI, UX issues that we still face in this industry, which is that it's not easy to buy crypto and to trade crypto. That you end up having to go through institutions to do it.
1: I think it's the uh, I think it's also the scams as much as it might be the UI UX. it is they don't see Chase running out with their savings account <laughs> or or their checking account, especially in two thousand nineteen yeah. already with the Canadian exchange and coin, uh, cryptopia. It does make you a little antsy and a little a little nervous about you know using these systems to try to get some of these yeah. uh, these digital assets. you give you have given blockchain so much and it's very interesting to hear your statement that said blockchain was your light after the financial crisis because you didn't know what you were going to do what if bitcoin and blockchain wasn't there what do you think you would be doing now
0: oh well i would still be trapped in the financial system like the rest of everybody um in the traditional financial system they're really
1: you think you'll still be working for the banks
0: i don't know um you know, ultimately, the, 22 years was itself a long career. Most most folks don't last that long on Wall Street. And I had a very talented number two that I handed it off to, and he'd worked for me for 16 years. So I very much felt strongly that it was his turn, so to speak, and he's done well. He stayed. He's stayed. He's continuing to work in the in the pension area. But coming back to people's personal wealth, you know, prior to... Bitcoin we were all trapped in traditional financial assets for our savings whether it's putting dollars in the bank or you know money in your in the stock market or in a 401k or related retirement plan we we really didn't have any choice but to use the traditional financial system and we really were trapped the only the only ways out were things like real estate or collectibles precious metals that you physically took possession of none of it was ideal. And now we have the alternative to buy financial assets that are issued, traded and settled on a blockchain. So all these settlement system risks and the shenanigans that happen behind the scenes and the the periodic convulsions that the mainstream financial industry goes through, those are, we now have a solution to those. We now have a way to get out. And that's why I'm so optimistic about this. It led me to conclude that I wasn't uh, just trapped in the, in in a, in a fundamentally unfair and unstable system, and having to hope that it stayed cobbled together long enough to get me through my life and my retirement. Now I don't have to worry about that because there is a stable system out there that is fair. And, stable. and and it's the crypto system, not everything, of course. And again, I'm not making recommendations in, from an investment or legal perspective here, but I, I see it as that. And I, I think history is going to vindicate that worldview and vilify the traditional financial system.
1: If you want to see more or learn more about Caitlin Long or the Wyoming Blockchain Coalition, you can go to wyomingblockchain.io or caitlin-long.com and follow the journey of legislation for blockchain. Caitlin Long, thank you very much for coming on Crypto 101.
0: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much. It was really fun. I'm glad we were able to do it so close in time on the Wyoming bills and get your your listeners to write emails to, to your local representatives and senators. If you live in the United States, let's get it done.
1: Absolutely. Write emails to your senators, please. Thank you, Caitlin.
0: Thanks so much.
1: Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. Caitlin, if you're listening, thank you very much for coming on the show. And good luck to any future laws that you want to pass. And good luck to everyone else that wants to pass laws to foster blockchain and cryptocurrency growth in their state or country. In our next episode of Crypto 101, we're talking about the coin that just recently shook up the crypto space, J.P. Morgan Coin. And we're going to give you a 101 on what it is and what it isn't. And don't forget to share this episode. Post it on your Facebook, your Twitter, your Instagram, anywhere you think it could be visible. Share it with your friends and family. I think these conversations are very important, and I would love for more people to start hearing conversations from amazing people like Caitlin Long. Also, don't forget to follow us on our Twitter. That's crypto underscore underscore 101. And I want to say thank you to Simon for editing this episode. Don't forget, ApogeeCrypto.com, A-P-O-G-E-E-Crypto.com, the best place for your real-time prices and portfolio. And we'll see you in future episodes of Crypto 101. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts.